All right. Well, good morning, friends. How are we? Good, good, good. Man, it is good to be worshiping with you all this morning. Man, how encouraging y'all about all the stories going on today. Give me all the stories. I love them, all right? So, man, it is good to be here. In fact, we are, in a lot of ways, friends, in one big grand story of redemption, right? In fact, that's what our whole scriptures are about. It's a big story, the story of God about how he is redeeming man to himself. And then our individual stories are that exact same thing. They're stories of our redemption and then how he calls us to be able agents of redemption into other people's lives, and that's what we get to celebrate here. That's why we love celebrating the, the, the new babies that we hope will enter into that story of God, why we celebrate baptisms, why we uh, gather together to sing the praises of God, because we proclaim this redemption that is found in our Savior Jesus, and that's what we are about. Amen? So I'm excited. Hey, so if you have your Bibles, that's what we're covering today, the story of redemption. If you need a Bible, uh, feel free to raise your hand. The ushers would love to give you one. If you do not own a Bible, would you take and keep that? It's our gift to you. You can also follow along on the YouVersion app. The instructions of how to do that are up here as well. And so uh, in our brief time, all right, we're going to hit on a very awesome story. We're still in the uh, kind of cornering toward the end of our Unsung Heroes series, and uh, literally, we're going to hit a story about somebody who we are really unable to even sing about because we don't even know her name, okay? And so 2 Kings chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. And so as you're turning there, uh, this is the story of how somebody entered in to the redemption of God and called other people into that story as well. So 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to jump right in and we're going to pick it up right there in verse 1. It says, Naaman commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. So there are several important things to know about this text. Firstly, uh, Syria was Israel's captors, all right? And so Israel was God's chosen people. It was the people that he would bring the promised Messiah through. That's why he chose them. They weren't, quote, unquote, more special in a way, but rather the people that God was going to bring redemption to the world through this nation of Israel. But Syria was uh, taking Israel captive at this time. But look at what it says there in that text. It says that the Lord gave the Israelites into Syria's hand. Like this commander was able to have victory because of the hand of the Lord was literally giving victory even though they are against God's chosen people in a way. And so Israel would have been no means like fond of this situation, nor would this passage or text been encouraging to them in a way, right? And so that's how we jump off. Naaman was in a lot of ways an enemy of God. Naaman was a stranger, like he was a Gentile. He was not a Jew, and yet there was a problem with Naaman. Naaman was helpless and hopeless because Naaman was a leper. That was a very, very serious problem at that time. He had a debilitating, bad, possibly uh, contagious skin disease, and it would have isolated him from many people around him. In fact, I looked up leprosy this week, and uh, I was going to throw a picture up of it, but I figured that vomiting wasn't the reason you came to worship today, right? Amen. So those of you with weak stomachs, I did you a favor, all right? I'm a gracious, benevolent pastor, amen? All right, so God raises up this powerful enemy over his people, which would 
would have left Israel confused, but this powerful leader, the commander, one of the highest in charge of that uh, nation had a very serious problem. And so we keep reading verse 2. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And so Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So on the contrary to Naaman, this little girl was very, very different, right? She was a servant. She was taken from the people of God. She was a child. She was a foreigner to that land, to the land of Syria. She was not from there. She was a woman, a girl, which in that culture would have brought her lower uh, in terms of respect and honor. And it says that uh, she was little, so she was humble. Like it could have just said she was a girl. There's a word for that, but it threw an adjective in it to kind of show us her posture and her condition. She had everything against her in so many different ways. And furthermore, she entered into this tragic situation for how little is this little girl to be taken away from her family, to be taken away from her country, to be placed into a country that she does not know and probably in not the best of situations. But instead of becoming bitter at that, she used a simple, simple sentence, a line of hope to the helpless Naaman. She says, hey, I know a man that can heal him right? If only she had went, or if only he had went to see the prophet who was in Samaria, she says. And somehow this got back to Naaman and the prophet, he goes to see then. And so this is his story. Now he goes to the king. The king says, hey, I guess we'll try this, right? Like, I want you to be healed. So let's go over to this prophet who is in Israel. And here's the story at large. Let's read a really large chunk here this morning. It says, so he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you, name in my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean." But Naaman was angry, and he went away saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And so he turned away and went in rage." Now, for a man as powerful as this man is, one of the highest officials in the world at the time, for someone to send out their servant to greet him is probably a little bit disrespectful. It would appear to be a sign of disrespect almost. It'd be like if like John Roberts, who's like the, the chief of justice of the United States, he's probably like fifth in command, right, over the nation at large. If he sent word to the well and said, hey, I'd like to speak with Pastor Mayo. I would just want like a real quick prayer over my health. If I was like, uh, 
All right, Micaiah, go give this man some water, right? That's what it would feel like in a lot of ways, okay? And it seemed probably strange. In fact, the Jordan River during this time would have been all muddy and gross, actually. So it wouldn't even be like me offering him good water. It'd be like, go back to Detroit and offer him some of that tap water, right? And it's like, man, this man feels like he's being disrespected. But look at Naaman here, though. Look at what's happening. We actually see a massive key about him. He brought all this silver. In fact, if you do the, the, the math, it equals about $150,000 today worth of silver. He brought about $100,000 worth of gold. So about $250,000 worth of, of money in their currency. And then a bunch of clothes, which you know them bad boys was like Louis Vuitton or something, right? He came rolling up in his BMW camel, right? And he was ready. He came with all this pomp and all this pride and, and all this money. And, and that's really how he thought he was going to be healed. And he didn't like the way that Elisha said, hey, this is how you get healed. In fact, we see a key verse in verse 11 there. It says, behold, I thought. And it goes on. When we begin to assume that God is going to act or move in a certain way, then we are in a dangerous spot, family. When we are assumptions, they often kill our intimacy with God for we project our expectations on God and how we believe that he is supposed to move. And then we begin to lose intimacy with God when he does not move, how we say that he, we think he's supposed to move. When he does something different and we don't like that, we often lose our intimacy. We, like Naaman, can find ourselves in a dangerous place for the posture and position of our heart can often be, behold, I thought the Lord was going to do this, right? And so Naaman has a, a man that is not really just in a physical uh, illness, not just a leper with his skin, but really we see something deeper about Naaman here. He has a deeper healing that needs to happen. He doesn't just have leprosy of the skin. He has leprosy of the heart in a lot of ways. There's something deeper in Naaman. And I mean, the slave girl, she told him what to do. She said, if you go to this prophet, then he'll heal, heal you. And here he is with this prophet. And this prophet told him how he was supposed to get healed. And he goes away mad, it says, right? There's something wrong with this man's heart. Naaman has this deep problem and we can respond to God like this too. We are in danger when we respond with behold, I thought at getting mad at God and in that missing his healing provision for our lives. And so the story goes on. Verse 13, but the servants came near and said to him, my father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? And so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. You got to believe, bro, was like five six, like, am I on some hidden camera TV show or something, right? Uh, man, but he was restored, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of what, does it say? A little child. <laughs> Catch it, right? Not it was made new, that's an easy way to say that. Not that it was restored like a baby or but it was restored like a little child. The biblical authors are trying to show us he was restored like her, he was pure. See, the little girl, 
the adjective there even. It's an unnecessary adjective in the text. But Naaman became new. He became pure. He became like the girl that sent him there in the first place. Naaman became like a little child. The biblical authors want us to see who the hero of this story is. It is the little girl. And so he wasn't just healed of his skin disease or he wasn't made like a baby. He was made like her in a lot of ways. And then it finishes out. This story finishes in verse 15. It says, then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him and he said, behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So now accept a present from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And then Naaman said, if not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. For from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any God but the Lord. In this manner, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon. When I bow myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon your servant in this manner. And he said, go in peace. Naaman was healed and clearly became a worshiper of the God of Israel, the one true God. But all of this came because of the simple testimony of one little girl, right? She is our unsung hero turning the leprous of heart Naaman into a clear worshiper of God. He's sitting here pleading with Elisha, man, would God find me pure? Would he accept me? Would he love me? We see this man that came with all this pomp and pride and arrogance in a lot of ways be totally humbled and say, man, would God accept me at, at any cost? He has a clear change of heart. It wasn't just his outward that was healed. It was his inward that was healed. As he he began to desire so deeply to worship God. And this all came uh, true, my friends, because of a simple story. A simple story from this simple girl whose name we don't even know, right? We too have opportunities to share simple stories that as God has done in our life. And we too have opportunities to see those simple stories enter into people's lives and literally change their eternities, this is what God calls us to even, as we call people to know, to love, to understand, to worship, to be intimate with our beautiful God. We can often do that with very, very simple phrases, with ways that God has impacted our life as we share about a man that we know who can heal as well. Like, think about this, right? This little girl could not have liked the situation that she was in. She could not have been rejoicing that she was taken captive away from her family. But what faith of this little girl, right? Man, you may not like the situation you're in right now either. You may not like your job. You may not like your neighborhood. You may be really frustrated about your family and even wonder to God, why did you have me born in the family that you had me born into? But maybe God has you in a tough situation because he wants to use your story and use your life to point somebody into the goodness and into the glory of our God and who he is. This little girl had so much to be resentful for, but rather than being resentful, she took this faith that she had and she still proclaimed hope. She proclaimed redemption even to her enemies, friends. I mean, we have that same opportunity. This little girl shared this simple sentence, and I love this. She didn't use eloquent language right? She didn't know all the diagrams and all the apologetics and, and all the different ways in which to share. She just said one simple thing. She invited him to go and to see. And he went and he saw. And even these baptisms today, you heard that, right? One simple story of, hey, have you been baptized yet? Right? 
And then boom, we enter into that. Next uh, uh, gathering, we have five people getting baptized. And I know two of those testimonies were literally, hey, how about you just come to church with me? And literally within this last year, they've given their life to Christ. These simple stories, right? A simple phrase of God's goodness, a simple display of his love. Sometimes I think we get caught up in feeling like we have to have everything together to share the love of God, the story of God. But listen, how many people did this little servant girl bless with this one simple story? Like, think about this. This man was one of the most powerful men in the most powerful nation at the time, and he had a physical, external problem that would have been clearly visible to everyone. And so her simple story, we know that we'll be worshiping with the Syrian Naaman one day in heaven, but we may be worshiping with many other Syrians because of her simple story. In fact, this may be why God even allowed them to be entered into captivity in the first place, for Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations. They were refusing to do that. So God sent them into the nations that the nations may know who God is. This may be happening for that very reason. This all came from a small story, the little, humble, gentle girl who pointed the way to salvation. And do you know who this story is supposed to remind us of, two friends? It's supposed to remind us of another humble, gentle servant that's going to come after her. See, this girl, as we said before, she was a servant right? She was removed from the people of God. She was humble, etc. But many years after her, another servant would step onto the scenes, and he would tell stories about a man who can heal as well. Except instead of pointing to a prophet off in a distant land, this man would point to himself. This Jesus would say, I am the man that has come, and if you look to me, then you can be healed. In fact, in a lot of ways, Jesus is a lot like this girl, right? There's a servant in both of them. They're both removed from the people of God, but Jesus removed himself willingly from his people, from the angels of heaven, from God the Father himself. He entered into redemption. He too was a servant. He too was humble, a carpenter, just like she, a child, and on and on. And Jesus told stories about how he can save even the most leprous of hearts, why? Because Jesus became like the leper himself as he got up on that cross, untouched by anyone around him. Even the, the servants lifted up a sponge and would not touch that man, right? Jesus became untouchable. Why? So that Naaman who was trying to work for his salvation and was trying to pay for his salvation and was trying to come with all of his status for his salvation so that that Naaman and everybody else before and after him could be saved if we believe in Jesus, the word of the prophet. See, when she said, if you go and you listen to the word of the prophet, you will be healed. And even his community, right, said, man, just listen to the word. Is this not a good word of the prophet they're pleading with him? And he listens and is healed. And we too, when we listen to the word of the prophet, Jesus, then we too can be healed, friends. And we can point other people toward that healing. Man, there may be some of you who do not know God as your God today, and maybe you see these baptisms and see us lifting up these children and, and hear these stories. And maybe like Naaman, you think your good works or your status or your position or, or how hard you try will get you in with God. Or maybe you feel like a leper, like, like you are not good enough. Or you try to pay for your right standing by your good deeds. But friends, we can enter into relationship with God by trusting in his word, by listening to him by saying, hey, I'm going to follow you. I will listen in obedience. If you call me to give you my life, my life is yours. And when that happens, our hearts change, friends. It's not just our physical that changes. Yes, our bodies will raise one day and we rejoice at that, 
right? But it is our hearts that are cleansed. Our souls are healed. We are brought into right standing with God. And so now we, when we get into that right standing, like Christ, like this little girl, have the opportunity to tell everybody else around us how we too have been cleansed and healed because of the power of our God. We get to be like Naaman's servants who plead with other people to listen to the prophet of God, to listen to Jesus who can heal. We get to remember that we, like Naaman, have been cleansed of this deep, deep, deep sickness that nobody else could cleanse, but God came in and entered into our lives. And we, just like Naaman, was dipped in the water. And just like we dipped people in the water today in baptism, so we get to cleanse ourselves from all of our faults, all of our shame as we come to Jesus, friends. And then we get to be agents of redemption in the world around us, share this story about the man who died on the cross, that we may be healed of everything that was broken, of everything that was hurting, of everything that was leprous, of everything. We get healing. We get to enter into the family of God at large. And so, friends, no matter your circumstance, man, share this story that's going to forever change the world. It will change eternity. These brothers and sisters that we rejoiced with today and the many more that's going to come, man, we will rejoice forever and we will sing forever to our glorious God about how awesome this God is. This will be the story that God has called us into, but we get to, while we are here on earth, continue to point and we get to say to people, hey, I know a man who can heal. I know a man who can heal. His name is Jesus. And would we forever be a community of people that point people to that truth, that we see more and more baptisms, more and more life change, more and more leprous hearts turn to our beautiful God. He has called every single one of us into the story of redemption and then called all of us who believe to be agents of redemption as well. And I pray that we, like the little girl, no matter our circumstance, would do that with all of our hearts. Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Let's pray.